0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to Firewall's Don't Stop Dragons. I'm your host, as always, Kerry Parker, and uh, we've got a really fun show for you this week. Uh, this is my annual best and worst gift guide. Uh, with Thanksgiving fast approaching, uh, buying season, gift giving season is upon us, uh, as, <laughs> as all the marketers and companies have uh, trained us to believe. Uh, and as we are getting ready to buy these gifts, uh, you know everything today is connected to the internet. And as we love to say on the show, uh, we call these things, of course, the Internet of Things because they're connecting everything to the internet. That's IoT, Internet of Things. And as we like to say, the S in IoT is for security. Uh, so uh, it's never been more important to evaluate these sort of things when you're buying your products. And so I want to make sure I cover the best and worst ideas and. Uh, in some cases, things you could do to mitigate some of the bad ideas uh, in case you still still want to give those gifts. So this is a fun show. I really enjoy this. Um, so let's get into our list and let's start off with the worst gifts. Uh, one of them I got to just mention because <laughs> this is just exemplifies this whole S and uh, IOTS for security thing. Um, it's about a thermometer and you would think, okay, thermometer, what, what could that possibly have to do? with security and privacy. Uh, well, we've probably all seen, you know, we've come a long way since the glass thermometers with uh, mercury inside or whatever, whatever that red liquid is. Um, they've got digital thermometers now. Sure. Why wouldn't they? Um, but, but now, because why not, uh, some of these companies are taking these digital thermometers and, and having them communicate with the app on your smartphone. Uh, I don't know, maybe as you can keep history. I, I don't know. Um, But of course, now that they've done that, why not then share this data? Uh, So what could possibly go wrong? Let me read you this article from the New York Times, a little bit from this, and you'll understand what I mean. Most of what we do, the the websites we visit, the places we go, the TV shows we watch, the products we buy, has become fair game for advertisers. Now, thanks to internet-connected devices in the home, like smart thermometers, ads we see may be determined by something even more personal our health. This flu season, Clorox paid to license information from Kinsa, a tech startup that sells internet-connected thermometers that are a far cry from the one from the kind once made with mercury and glass. The thermometers sync up with a smartphone app that allows consumers to track their fevers and symptoms, making it especially attractive to parents of young children. The data showed Clorox, which zip codes around the country had increases in fevers. The company then directed more ads to those areas, assuming that households there may be in the market for products like it's disinfecting wipes. Kinsa, a San Francisco company that has raised about $29 million from venture capitalists uh, since it was founded in 2012, says its thermometers are in more than 500,000 American households. It has promoted the usefulness of its illness data which it says is aggregated and contains no identifying personal information before being passed along to other companies. It is unique, Kinsa says, because it comes straight from someone's household in real time. People don't have to visit a doctor, search their symptoms on Google, or post it to Facebook about their fever uh, for the company to know where a spike might be occurring. All right, so think about that just for a minute. So they make this digital thermometer that hooks up to an app that runs on your phone. Okay, fine. But then, then they take that data and ship it up to some mothership in the sky where they're collecting aggregate data, supposedly anonymously to figure out where people are getting sick. And then they're selling that data to other companies that might want to advertise to sick people. So they know where to focus their advertising because apparently in Chicago, there's been a outbreak of the flu or whatever. Uh, So, this is just my general warning story about IoT products in general. As as these companies make these products and everybody thinks the coolest thing to do is to connect them to the Internet or to connect them to some app on your phone, which you should realize is basically the same thing. Because as soon as you're talking to your phone, that phone is talking to the Internet. And there's just nothing to prevent them behind the scenes, whether they explicitly tell you they're doing this, buried somewhere in their multiple thousands of word privacy policy and terms of service or not they're probably collecting that data because why wouldn't they, you know, it's just, it's just low hanging fruit. It's just money laying on the ground there to be picked up. Why would they not do it? So just be aware that when you're buying products that are, you know, that didn't used to be connected to the internet, dumb products that have become quote unquote smart products, just be aware that there's a, there's a significant privacy risk there. And there's a security risk as well. Um, these products are now, if they're exposed to the internet, that is a, that is a 24-7 exposure to hackers. Uh, hackers love this stuff because these cheap devices, every, and, and cheap is key, that's what people how, how people choose what to buy, which one's cheaper. The cheaper ones almost surely are less secure um, and probably less private as well because one of the ways they may be making money and basically subsidizing their products is by selling your information. So That's my general caveat when you're talking about, uh, picking out what gifts to buy. Now, that said, there are plenty of ways we could be doing this right. And there are some companies that are at least trying to do it right. And there are some really great features about products that when you connect them to the internet can actually do useful things for you. Um, prime example of this is, uh, the Amazon echo products, and there are other ones like it. There's, um, uh, the home pods and, uh, Google got products like this. And, the, and most of these products are some form of little speaker and microphone thing that allows you to, it's an assistant, it's a personal assistant. So you talk to it, you tell you, you invoke it by mentioning its name. And I'll try not to do that by accident on this show to not wake up all your devices. Um, uh, but you say their name and then, and then you ask it a question, uh, or tell it to do something. And, the way this is supposed to work and the way I believe most of them do work is they've got a special little bit of software running in that device locally that is doing nothing more than listening for its wake word. And that's what they call it. The wake word. Um, it's the a word for the echo products. I I don't want to say it or it's Siri or whatever, uh, on the Apple products and so on. Um, it listens for that word. So everything you say is not being transmitted to that company. It's not a bugging device that is listening to every single thing that's going on in your home. At least that's the way it's supposed to work. And that's the security researchers would be all over it if, the, if that ever got broken. So um, the way this the way these things work is the wake word makes them wake up. And then some short period of time, the next thing you say, probably until you stop talking, that is what is sent up to the company to be interpreted by powerful computers up in the cloud and then sent back. And, you know, and then it comes back to with whatever, turn my lights on or who won the World Series in 1948 or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you asked or whatever you told to do. So I guess what I'm saying is that that, that's an example of a product that is connected to the Internet that a lot of people get creeped out about. I actually have several, several of these in my house, which a lot of people can't believe (laughs) knowing that I'm such a privacy guy. Uh, but that is a convenience trade-off that I that I was willing to make because I think they're really cool and they and I use them for all sorts of fun stuff. Um now I do and I recommend you do this. This is a general require uh, thing for all of your tech products. Anything that's connected to the internet, I highly, highly recommend that you hook it up to your guest network. Uh and we'll talk a little bit about Wi Fi riders in a minute, um uh, when we talk about our gifts gift ideas. Uh but you all modern routers, any any router in the last three or four years, uh, worth its salt, has the, the ability to set up a guest network or a second network. And it's kind of like having two Wi-Fi routers in one. And what that means is everybody on the guest network is segregated from everything else that's on your regular home network. And, and so what you want to do is you want to take all these IoT devices and put them on your guest network. So, yes, they can get out to the Internet. And, you know, if they need to, they can talk to each other because they're both on the guest network or they're all on the guest network. Um, but if they get compromised in some way, if the hackers somehow figure out to get to those devices and compromise those devices, they are electronically network separated from your juicy devices, like your computers and things that have all sorts of, you know, financial and personal data on them. That might be fun to get to because the way a lot of the hacker stuff works is once they get once they get through your firewall, once they get through your router and your firewall, if they can, if they can attack a device in your home, now they basically have a mole, right? They, they, have, they have somebody inside your house that's, that's within your perimeter, inside your castle walls, so to speak. Uh, and now they can do a lot more damage. So um, at least if you um, compartmentalize these things, if you keep the the less secure devices um, all on their own separate network, the guest network, uh, then that that protects your home stuff from them. And for some reason, if they were to be compromised, all right. Now let's start talking about specific products. So this the, this product came out this year, and why anybody and, and this is going to go completely against what I just said about Amazon uh, Amazon Echo products, and that's Facebook Portal. Facebook decided how they ever thought any. I'd really love to know what the sales figures are on their on their on this product because I would hope that they're extremely low. But they decided that they were going to make this audio video device that sits in your home in some prominent location, the kitchen, the living room, something like that, uh, that has a camera and microphone on it and a big screen. So the idea being that you could do video calls with grandma. uh, you know, kids can call their friends and see them, you know, people that live apart for whatever reason, you know, maybe military. I don't know if it works for those folks or not. Probably does, uh, can have these video chats. Okay. That's great. But God, if I was going to pick one company that I would not trust to create such a product, it would be Facebook. Um, the recode, uh, which is a, a great website, uh, had a little article on this. Let me just read a piece of that. It says, Facebook announced Portal last week, its take on the in-home voice-activated speaker to rival competitors from Amazon, Google, and Apple. The biggest question surrounding the device, why should anyone trust Facebook enough to put Facebook-powered microphones and video cameras in the living room or kitchen? Given Facebook's year of privacy and security issues, privacy around the device, including what data Facebook collects and how it is used, has been an important part of the story surrounding Portal. That's why we need to update our reporting. Last Monday, we wrote, quote, no data collected through portal, even call log data or app usage data, like the fact that you listen to Spotify will be used to target users with ads on Facebook, unquote. We wrote that because that's what we were told by Facebook executives, but Facebook has since reached out to change its answer. Portal doesn't have ads, but data about who you call Data about which apps you use on Portable can be used to target you with ads on other Facebook-owned properties. Quote, Portal voice calling is built on the Messenger infrastructure, so when you make a video call on Portal, we collect the same types of information, i.e. uses data such as length of calls, frequency of calls, that we collect on other Messenger-enabled devices. We may use this information to inform the ads we show you across our platforms. Other general usage data, such as aggregate usage of apps, etc., may also feed into the information that we use to serve ads. Unquote. All right, so that covers basically everything I just would have said. So, worst gift, Facebook portal. <laughs> you know, you know, everyone can make up their mind whether or not they think the Amazon Echo products and, and similar products are, are secure, and private enough for them, and that there should be concern there. But man, if I was going to pick one gift not to give, it would be the Facebook portal. These guys have just shown time and time and time again that all they want is more and more data on you. And this is just such a naked attempt to get more data. It's just, and to actually put a video camera on it, yeah, that just just goes too far for me, especially knowing all the things that Facebook is doing on facial recognition and things like that. I just, yeah, don't don't get the portal. All right, next up, and we talked about this last year, and this was probably my number one thing last year that I warned people about. And that is DNA testing. Um, and by that, I mean like the ancestry services that you're seeing them ads for them all over the place now uh, where you spit on something and send it a swab of your cheek or something to these services. And they come back with this long report about your family history. Now, there's two parts to that. First of all, it's just like the genetic kind of history. And that. That they can trace back through just kind of genetic histories of, you know, what what your nationality might be or what areas of certain countries you came from uh, and so on and so forth. And then if some of these services, like the ancestry version, if they can actually find a genetic match, then they actually can tie into other family history data that they may have on file uh, for relatives of yours and perhaps long, long, long lost relatives, perhaps relatives you didn't even know you had. Beware of that. But these guys, what else could they do with that data? And that's where you really, really got to wonder. First of all, that data is you. Fingerprints, iris scans, all those things are nothing compared to your DNA. That that other than a twin, that, that uniquely identifies you. Um, where are they keeping that data? How securely are they keeping that data? Who might they share that data with? And uh, they could be sharing it, even trying to share it anonymously. They could fail. Uh, maybe they, you know, agree to give a bunch of this stuff to researchers so they can do cancer research or, or something that sounds good. Uh, and they try to anonymize, but what if they screw that up and they, (laughs) it's not properly anonymized or in a lot of cases, what happens is they say it's anonymized, but then if you take this data and combine it with a different data set, you can de-anonymize that data. And then you, you know, so they, I'm sure they've got a privacy policy and, and I'm sure it's also probably impossible for a layman to read. Uh, Even an, even a a trained lawyer would probably have trouble knowing exactly what they can and cannot do with that data. Do they own, they own that DNA from here on out? Um, There's a classic story of the, uh, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. And that was somebody, you know, I think it was back in the fifties. This woman, this poor woman uh, gave up some tissue samples uh, for study. And that tissue has been cloned and grown and reused over and over and over for decades since. So, you know, there's a definite creep factor here. And, you know, one more thing that if you haven't seen this, and, you know, this may be a pro or a con for you, but you're not just giving away your own data. You're giving away your DNA from uh, everybody you're directly related to as well. And they've they've used this data. People who have given up this data voluntarily for some of these ancestry services, uh, law enforcement has actually used that data to find Um, criminals, uh, based on DNA stuff found at crime scenes, they were able to figure out who they were related to and through those relations, find the person. So that might sound like a good thing. Um, but that's not why you gave your data up. (laughs) So, you know, just realize that you're not just giving away your own DNA, you're giving away DNA, uh, of your family members as well. All right, next up, antivirus software. Um, maybe you don't often think of that as a gift, but unfortunately that has gotten expensive and there's usually subscription-based stuff now. So, you know, maybe this is something you might want to get for your kids or you know, your parents or something like that who wouldn't normally know to do this or maybe wouldn't pay the money to do this. Or you think you're doing them a favor by buying them a subscription to a, a antivirus service. You know, Norton, McAfee, there's plenty of them out there. Um I've, as we've talked about multiple times this show, uh, I'm not a big fan. Um, you know, now this is one of those things like it's kind of like insurance. You know, if, you know, do you need to buy insurance on that? You know, TV you bought. They always try to upsell you the insurance, the three-year protection plan or whatever. You know, and statistically speaking, they're going to come out ahead on that. That's why they do it. <laughs> that's how all the, that's how all insurance works. They, they work out the stats. They do the, they crunch the numbers and say, well, if, if most people, if we charge this amount for that, we're going to, we're going to make money in the end. Uh, it's kind of like Vegas. The house always wins, uh, if by the, for the same reasoning, by the way, because Vegas knows all the odds and everything, all the games it plays. And it knows that if it sets the rules just right and charges just the right amount of money, they will always make money on the long run. You know, overall. So, you know, antivirus is kind of like insurance. Um, but it's also kind of like hiring. Um, the other analogy I like to make is it's like hiring a, a, your own personal security chief, uh, you know, think of it as a bodyguard or, or something that, you know, you want to, you want to hire. And so who are you going to hire? Well, you're going to hire someone who's skilled. You're going to hire someone who's really good at defense. Maybe someone who's good at offense. Um, and then, what are you going to do? You're going well, you know. For them to really protect you, they need to know everything about you. They need to follow you everywhere. They need to be where you are. They need to know know what you know. Uh, those kind of things. So that is kind of like antivirus software. So you got to pick those kind of things really carefully because if they go wrong, they can really screw you over because they know everything about you. They've got access to everything that's yours. Um. So what I what I tend to tell tell people is uh, just follow really basic good internet hygiene. Um, you know, don't open links or click buttons or open attachments that you did not specifically request and expect. Um, no matter how tempting they may be, doesn't matter who they came from. Um, you know, if some friend of yours you know, out of nowhere sends you this thing, so, oh, this is really funny. Open this up or, or something like that. You got to be aware that that's probably not them. It's probably a hacker setting on their behalf and maybe even using their account to do it. Um, but it may not be them. So anyway, if you follow just you know basic good internet hygiene, that's honestly what's going to keep you the most safe. Um, of course, like any insurance thing, if I tell you not to get it and then you have that one big thing that would have been prevented if you had it, you're going to be upset. So that is maybe something I would not buy uh, for your friends and family because it costs a lot of money. It's now their subscription model, so it's not even a buy once and have it forever kind of thing. you got to you got to keep paying over and over again. And personally, I don't think it's worth it. Now, there are some free ones you could look at, like certainly for Windows. Uh, Windows Defender, which is built in, is actually quite good. Uh, that is more than sufficient for anybody using a Windows computer these days. Uh, on a Mac, uh, Apple doesn't talk about it much. They do have some built-in security features. Uh, but if you want to go that ex- next step, I would uh, get the free versions. And you'll have to be careful to get this because they always try to drive you toward the pay versions. And sometimes they'll nag you to upgrade, and you, have to, you know, which is a pain. Um, but if you'd like, there's you know, Sophos and Avira. Both make pretty good free products. Uh, that you can use on your Mac. All right, I'll say one more thing about products to buy. And when it comes to IoT stuff, if you're going to buy something that's connected to the internet, pay the money and get a brand name. Don't get you know the cheap knockoff brands, uh, or go for the cheapest model. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna bother to get something that's connected to the internet, make sure you buy from a very reputable company. And that means you're probably going to pay a little bit more money. But you don't want to. A lot of these really cheap no-name brands uh, either have no security, or they subsidize the, the their cheap cost by you know mining your data and selling it in some other way. Uh, the other thing is, <laughs> buy dumb devices if you can still find them, um, or take a take your smart device and basically lobotomize it uh, and make it dumb by not connecting it to the internet. So just because you bought a smart TV, if you've got if you don't watch Netflix using your televisions. Netflix app, like if you've got a Roku device or a Fire TV or an Apple TV that also, or or even your DVR from your cable company uh, that has a Netflix app built into it, then you don't need your TV's Netflix app, and which means you don't need any of the smart features of your television. So just don't connect your television to the internet. Um, that's true of other smart devices too. I mean, you know, televisions are kind of a key one because it's so hard to find a television today that isn't a, a quote unquote smart TV. But in most cases, you don't need those features because you're probably getting those features from somewhere else. Um, So that's a particular case where that smart device doesn't need to be smart. In particular, I would say there's a lot of kids' toys uh, that are becoming Internet-connected, you know, teddy bears that are connected to the Internet and other figures and dolls and, and other devices and toys that are now connected to the Internet. If it doesn't need to be connected to the Internet, don't do it. I mean, particularly when it comes to kids and privacy and some of these things have built-in microphones and cameras and things and when it comes to kids toys I'd definitely just say no. All right, so that's all the those those are the worst gifts. Those are the things I recommend you don't buy. What should you buy for your privacy and security conscious family and friends? Okay, here's some ideas. One of the most important security devices in your house in any home and in most businesses and businesses as well is your Wi-Fi router or your router. Your your box that gives internet access to all the goodies in your house, your your smartphones, your tablets, your smart devices, your computers, you know, now that everything's being connected to the internet, everything in your home that is connected to the internet goes through your router. And so that is why that particular piece of hardware is so supremely important. Now, uh, a lot of cable companies or internet service provider companies, whether they be cable or fiber or whatever, like to give out combination boxes now. The the way you connect to the internet usually has two pieces. There's the modem part, and that is the part that takes whatever comes into your house, whether it be cable or DSL or fiber or satellite or whatever it is where you're getting your internet service from, and then converts that to IP, internet protocol. Uh, And that's where, you know, so it's cable in one side and it's an ethernet cable on the other side. Uh, And then Connected to that. The other major part is the router part, and that is what allows you to connect more than one device to the internet. So it's one in, many out. It's kind of like a power strip for the internet, right? Uh, Now, a lot of ISPs these days are combining those into a single box, and that is convenient for them in a couple ways. First of all, it's one box uh, that they can now control, um, but the problem with that is they can control it. (laughs) So what that really means is they actually would technically be able to access. Um, not just all the internet traffic that goes in and out of your house, but all the internet traffic that goes between whatever devices you have inside your house. And that's, to me, just a step too far. For, for privacy reasons and also security reasons, because I don't trust them. So what the first thing I would do, if you don't have a separate Wi-Fi router box, if you're reusing the one that came with your modem, it's all, it's all built into one box that came from your internet service provider, get your own. And it, when you get your own Wi-Fi router they can be expensive. They don't have to be. You can spend for a for a low speed, very simple router, you can get one for under $100. Uh, but I would go ahead and spend 150 or so uh, on a good Wi-Fi router. Um, unfortunately, there's been a lot of bugs lately found in these routers. So one of the key things you need to do is learn how to get to the administrative interface on that router. Uh, you're going to want to get there for a lot of reasons. And they're a little bit different for every router, unfortunately. So I can't give you a generic Uh, answer. Though I can point you to a blog article and I'll put that in the show notes where I talk about uh, how to lock down your routers. Um, And so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that here, but I'm just going to hit the highlights and then refer you to the blog article. Uh, So you're going to want to change your admin password. So this is the default password that when you log into the Wi-Fi router, it's admin and something else. Unfortunately, it's almost always like admin admin or admin password um, or something very simple that everybody knows. So the The problem there is if any rogue device gets in your home network, they can easily log into that using uh, well-known default passwords and then basically take over your entire um, router and potentially any devices connected to it. That's bad. So one of the main things you want to do is change that admin password. Another thing you might want to do is change the default, what's called the SSID. Like when you go to join somebody's Wi-Fi and you see the names of the Wi-Fi networks in your area. Um, you'll see Linksys and D-Link and, um, uh, all these common, you know, net gear, uh, these common names, change it to something else. Now don't make it something recognizable. You don't want somebody, you know, walking around your neighborhood or whatever, being able to figure out which Wi-Fi necessarily is your Wi-Fi, If you can help that. Um, so, but give it a unique name, um, something besides, you know, those generic names. Um, you also want to make sure you set up a password for your router, um, you want to use the WPA2, uh, WPA2 personal uh, security settings. If you have a really modern router that has WPA3, then definitely use that. That's much better. Do not use the uh, this, the the little wireless setup thing where you kind of hold up your phone next to it to whatever to set up that stuff. Set it up by hand using the admin uh, portal. Uh, set a really good password on that. It doesn't have to be super crazy because somebody has to be generally within your you know, within Ranger House to do it. Um, So it doesn't have to be like a super crazy password because, you know, also you need to give that password out to friends and family sometimes. So um, just make it a good password, but it doesn't have to be like crazy unmemorable password. Use a mix of upper and lower case, just throw some numbers and some symbols in there and then write it down somewhere. Uh, Now for guests and for all IoT devices, make sure you have a guest network set up and have a whole different password uh, for that. Not only for your IoT devices, but for your guests. Because, you know, you don't know where your guests' electronics have been. They may be hacked, and they may not even know that they've been hacked. So uh, resist the urge to put everybody who comes into your house onto your regular network. Put them on your guest network. Uh, last but not certainly not least, um, update your router's firmware. Um, if you really want to kick it up a notch, you can actually install third-party open-source firmware like Tomato, Uh, or DDWRT. I know those are weird names. Uh, You can replace the firmware that came with your router with uh, uh, open source firmware that tends to be a lot more feature rich as well as uh, secure. So that's something you consider if you're a techie person, or maybe if you want to do this for somebody else, uh, that's something you can look into. But if nothing else, make sure that you uh, keep the software in your router updated. And fortunately, a lot of modern routers are now uh, you can set them to auto update, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, so go check using that admin portal that I told you about, you would go in and one of the settings in there somewhere under the maintenance, um, for that router is to check for software updates, uh, install software updates. And, uh, hopefully if you're lucky, uh, a setting for making them auto update. All right. So smartphones are popular. Um, and they make great gifts uh, because they, they've gotten ridiculously expensive. And if you're going to go that route, if you're looking, if security and privacy is is one of your main concerns, I've got to recommend Apple products. There are plenty of reasons why you might want to go Android uh, or, or go for Windows uh, in the computer space, uh, but certainly for smartphones and smart devices, Apple really is much more secure and, frankly, more private. They're not perfect, but uh, I would always, every security person I've ever talked to, if they I mean, unless they really go uh, off the rails and want to get something very custom, which I'll talk about next. Um, if they, if, if there's a choice between Android and iOS, which is, you know, the choice between Google and Apple, uh, it's Apple's, Apple is the choice hands down. Now, uh, as we just talked to Todd Weaver recently from Purism, if you really want to kick it up a notch, and want to try something interesting and, you know, just throw some support towards companies that are actually really going that extra mile, check out uh, Purism. Uh, go to the Purism website. Uh, it's P-U-R-I dot S-M. They've got Librem, uh, L-I-B-R-E-M, laptops that are completely open hardware and open source software. It, it's gonna take, It'll take a little getting used to, but it's, it's, it's not as bad as you might think. Uh, it's sort of a Linux-based operating system, and they've got apps that are similar to, like you know, like the Microsoft apps. And uh, they should have the standard browsers and things like that on them. So you know, if you're really willing to kick it up a notch, check out those Purism products. And uh, it won't be in time for Christmas, but you might want to look at their, they've got a phone coming out as well uh, next spring. Uh, really interesting stuff. Really happy to see some companies out there going that extra mile. And if you really want to, really want to crank it up to the next notch, that's something you might want to check into. All right. Another classic, an uh, oldie but goodie in my list of, of, of products that I recommend is a UPS or an uninterruptible power supply. Basically, it's just a big battery. You plug it into the wall and then you plug your computer or other devices into it. Uh, Not only is it a power surge device, so it protects them from power surges, but when the power goes out, these things will actually provide power to your devices for a while. So why would you want to do that? Well, if you've got a laptop, that laptop's got a battery built in, that's fine. But what good is a laptop without internet? So, you know, if you were to lose power, um, uh, having a UPS and you plug in your your cable modem, or your your um, your Google Fiber modem, or whatever your your ISP's modem is, you plug in your modem, you plug in your Wi-Fi router, then you can still potentially have internet while the power's out. Um, so that's something to consider. Uh, the other nice thing about this for computers, particularly desktop computers, is that power outages, even brownouts or flickers, can be really hard uh, on your computer, particularly on hard drives. Uh, now I know a lot of drives now are going to SSDs, which are all solid state, uh, but spinning drives in particular. And even other drives to it's just not pulling, yanking the power out from your computer while it's running is never a good thing. And it's hard. It can be really hard at computer and it actually can corrupt your data uh, that's being written to the hard drive as well. So if you use a UPS uh, and especially if you take that UPS, they usually also have a little data connection, like through USB. So not only do you plug it in the power, but you plug in the USB, uh, it will give your computer a heads up saying, hey, power's out. We are now running on battery Uh, you might want to shut yourself down smoothly and cleanly or nothing else, give a warning to the user. Um, So the nice thing is if you're not there, your computer can actually be programmed to shut itself off cleanly um, when the power is going out, instead of just yanking the power, (laughs) like if the power goes out in a storm or whatever. Uh, And also it'll give you the pop-up as user, if you happen to be at your computer at the time, and you can use use the computer for a little bit longer while power is out and then shut it down cleanly. Now, desktop, computers take a lot of power. So you either need a really, really big battery if you want to use it for a while, um, or just be prepared to shut it down cleanly, uh, when the power goes out, which again, one of the main points of this is that it protects your computer. So it's like a super power surge protector. So, uh, I would recommend cyber power is a good brand. APC is a good brand. Uh, you can look at those. A lot of these are basically just glorified lead acid batteries, like, you know, that you would put in your car or put in a motorcycle, Um, but it's got electronics built around that to turn that DC power into AC power for a limited amount of time. Uh, there are some modern ones that are, that are much smaller, much lighter weight that are based on lithium ion batteries, which is the basic battery that's in everything portable. We have today that recharges, um, they're more expensive, but they're smaller. And, uh, I think they, I think they tend to last longer. So you might want to look at those two. Those are especially if you're going to buy a gift. and You want to kick it up a notch. You know, going for the one of the really nice lithium-ion based ones would be great. And those those would be good for lower power devices like uh, your internet router um, and uh, your modem and those kind of things. For a computer, uh, you know, bang for the buck. If you especially if you want to be able to use that desktop computer for a little while, uh, you're going to need a re- <laughs> you're going to need a really big battery, and those get expensive and they're heavy. But uh, So you can use those kind of parameters to decide what, you, what would be the best gift for uh, whoever you're, you're buying for. Uh, another great gift, of course, for anybody um, is a password manager. Uh, LastPass is the one that I personally recommend. 1Password is another one that, that often gets very, very good reviews. Um, uh, they do have free products, and there's nothing wrong with those free products. Uh, but if you want to support them or if you want to go the extra mile... Um, and get the uh, premium version of the product. Uh, look at LastPass premium or LastPass family. Uh, I believe premium, I think is two bucks a month and family is four bucks a month, uh, which is very cheap, uh, very affordable. Uh, the family is really particularly nice. It allows you to share stuff between family members. Uh, the free version actually lets you share things one to one. Like I, if I wanted to share um, like if my mom wanted to share her bank password or a particular credit card with me, Uh, She could do that one-to-one on the free version, which is great. And the free version even includes the mobile apps, which is wonderful. But, uh, you know, we are talking about giving gifts here. So uh, if you want to give someone the gift uh, of uh, the premium version of these products, look at LastPass Premium or LastPass Family. Uh, They've got some great features. And of course, behind all of this, you know, we need password managers. We've got to have long, strong, unique passwords for all of our websites and all of our things. And the only way to do that... Uh, is using a password manager because humans just cannot, you know, if we could remember the passwords, um, they're going to be too easy to guess. They're going to be too short. will there'll be some pattern that, have, that all the hackers, they know all the tricks. So even if you think you're being clever, trust me, you're not. <laughs> um, so that's why we need password managers and that's why what makes such a great gift. Um, if nothing else, the gift can just be getting, making sure that you get your friends and family installed and up and running with a last word, uh, with a password manager. Uh, that alone is well worth it. And that's a gift of love that a lot of these things can be because, um, you know, putting in the time to helping these people get themselves secure, even if the things they are doing are free. And a lot of them are, um, that's a big thing. So I highly encourage you, you know, just to be thinking about that with all these gifts is give the gift of time. If nothing else, you can go out and help these people get more secure. Uh, and of course my book is a great place to get resources for that because at the end of the day, that's what this, that's what this whole list is about. So Anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the for pay products. This is a really fun one. And uh, I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but USB devices and particularly USB power ports, you tend to think of them like plugging in, an, you know, into an AC outlet when you're just charging your phone at the airport or in a hotel room or Starbucks or whatever, where they're starting to have little USB ports where you could just walk up and, you know, top off your phone. But you got to realize that USB ports aren't just power. They're also data. And because there is a data flow there, it's possible for rogue USB devices to actually hack your devices. Now, this isn't super common, um, but it's also really cheap to fix. And what you can give is something that we uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek call a USB condom. Uh, So it's pretty much what it sounds like. So what it does is it basically blocks the data lines and only allows the power to flow. So when you have... And you can buy these things as little adapter nuggets. So it's got USB on, you know, male on one side, female on the other side. And you put that in line with your power cable. Uh, Or you can actually buy cables with this built in. And all that really is, is they're really dumb devices, um, specifically to be dumb because they don't allow data to transfer. They only allow power to be transferred. So you couldn't use one of these devices, if you want to sync your phone with your computer, let's say, um, or you certainly wouldn't put it, you know, with a mouse or something because then that mouse would, wouldn't do anything. Um, so, uh, but if you just want to charge your device and you want to charge it safely, and this is just kind of a fun gift to be fun to even talk about, Ooh, it's a USB condom uh, and get a good laugh out of, but if, you know, if you know somebody who travels a lot, for example, uh, and likes to use, um, you know, public USB charging ports, Uh, This makes a great gift. It's only like uh, like seven bucks a piece. They're pretty cheap. And again, you put them in line with your charging cable. And then that way, the only thing that can flow between that public, potentially dirty USB port and your device is power, no data. Now, another little interesting gift, and you may have seen these, um, they're called RFID blocking wallets uh, or bags. Um, And a lot of our devices now uh, have built in RF radio frequency things going on. Uh, a lot of our credit cards now, by the way, you know, if you haven't tried this yet, a lot of your credit cards, you don't have to put them in slots anymore. You can just go up and just tap your card on the little payment terminal and wirelessly, magically through the air, uh, it transfers your data, which is great if you you were, <laughs> you were there trying to buy something. It's not so great if there's a thief who's bumping up against your wallet or your purse in a crowded subway or something and has a little device that is trying to read that data. Um, I don't know how common this is. I, I haven't actually heard of too many cases of this, but it is possible. Um, so what they've done to address this, and they've actually probably seen this, if you're a guy and you have gone out to buy a wallet, or maybe they probably do this with women's purses too. They have this feature called RFID blocking or RF blocking. And basically what it is, it's what in physics, or we would call a Faraday cage, it's a wire mesh of some sort or a foil or something. Because when you put uh, when you put this wire mesh around something that transmits signals, it blocks those signals if you do it right. And that's what these things claim to do. So you can get an RFID-blocking wallet or a passport sleeve because our uh, modern passports have uh, RF chips in them as well. Credit cards. Uh, now, of course, this, if you've got a badge, like for work... And you put your badge in your purse or something, and you want to be able to badge into the office through your wallet, this will block that. So real, so realize that. But anyway, it's got kind of an interesting idea. Uh, the other thing I've sometimes seen is uh, what they call um, Faraday bags or blocking bags and for things like um, key fobs for your car. Because uh, especially with uh, um, wireless entry or wireless start on cars, like my car's got a push button. It doesn't have a key. I just have to have the fob in my pocket. Um but the criminals have figured out how to make those signals go much further, uh, to the point where let's say you walk in your house, the front door and you've got a little bin next to the door and you throw your keys in it, and then you take your shoes off and take your coat off or whatever gonna you know, help. But your key fob is sitting right by your front door. And your car, especially if it's sitting in the driveway, you know, is maybe what, ten feet away, twenty feet away. Um the bad guys have figured out and they've done this, how to steal those vehicles by extending the range of your key fob from that little, you know, wooden bowl by the front door or the key ring by the front door all the way out to your car. And once they get it started, uh, once they get it open to get it started, they could drive away with it and then they could do whatever they want. Um, they won't be able to start it again unless they hack it, but at least they, <laughs> they could still steal your car. So I've seen people come up with these little Faraday bags for that too. And you can just um, some, uh, one of the funny ones is people tell them to put their keys in the fridge, which your fridge is a big metal box. It's a big Faraday cage. That's that some people do. Some people come up with their own techniques for this, but they, uh, they do sell them. So it might be a fun gag gift or whatever to get somebody and does actually have some security aspects to it. All right. This next one's a really fun one. Uh, and I actually just got one of these for my mom. Uh, I've had one for a couple of years now and and that is the ring doorbell. Um, so if you haven't heard of this, it's, it's an electronic doorbell with a camera built into it camera and a microphone and a speaker. Um, it's really cool actually. So the camera face is out. So it's, it, it sees what you would see if you're looking out the front door of your house. And the, one of the really cool things about it is you can see that from anywhere. Um, uh, I'm often in my basement, for example, and somebody will come to my door and ring the doorbell for a delivery. And with this, I get a pop-up on my computer that somebody rang my doorbell. It shows me the video of who is at my door. I can hear them. Uh, and if I want to, I can speak back to them. So like, you know, Hey, I'll be up, I'll be up in just a minute to sign for that, or just leave it and go. I'm fine. Uh, or (laughs) I I can see that it's somebody trying to sell me something and I won't go answer my door. That's another common use for it. You can also set these things up with motion detection, which is really nice. So if you're at work and you want to know when that package got delivered, you know, uh, and they deliver it to your front door, whether they ring the doorbell or not, if they trip the motion sensor and, uh, you can kind of set up how you want that to work. You can get a notification that, hey, someone's at your door, and then you could bring it up on your phone app, and you can actually watch that 10 seconds of video to see who it was that was at your door. I find it great. Uh, When I'm on vacation, I can use it to to look out my front door and see what's going on. I can kind of see what the weather is in the neighborhood, Um, (laughs) that kind of thing. They've even got Ring. has actually even set up this neighborhood watch program where if you want, you can tie in multiple... Uh, you, this is an opt-in. You can tie in multiple of these things around your neighborhood, and you can actually see what's going on from other people's houses. And it's actually been shown that this is a major theft deterrent. Um, when thieves see these things, they avoid them. I mean, they're video cameras with motion sensors, right? So uh, now, if, you know, they can put masks on and things like that to, to disguise their identity, but it's a video camera. It's just basically a security camera. So it's, it's, it's even more than just convenient. So these things are not cheap, um, and there are other models, but I tend to like the Ring. Uh, they were one of the originals and they've got a really great product. Uh, I think they're about 200, to 250, buck, 250 bucks a piece. So they're not cheap, but they are fairly easy to install and, uh, they're just really cool. So that, that's a great fun, uh, security gift that you can give people. And I know you might think, well, isn't it not a privacy thing? Cause it's basically a video camera. Well, I guess, but it's pointing away from your house. It's not pointing into your house. Uh, so that to me, that's more of a security thing than a privacy thing. So speaking of camera lenses pointing around your house, uh, there's this classic picture of Mark Zuckerberg, who is the the CEO of Facebook. Uh, he was giving an interview somewhere and in the background of this picture was his laptop. Uh, and most laptops today come with a little built in video camera at the top of the screen. So you could do, you know, video chats with people. And very obviously in this picture, there was a piece of tape covering his laptop video camera. Um, And the reason is because it is possible to, especially for a high value target, like somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, certainly to hack that machine and remotely enable that video camera to, uh, do surveillance, to spy on people. And even those little cameras that have the nice little green lights next to them that tell you when they're on, if you do the hacking, right. And a lot of these, a lot of these devices, you could turn the camera on even without turning on the little activity light. So, you know, Mark Zuckerberg's solution is to put a piece of tape over it. And that is a perfectly valid solution for anybody. I would suggest not tape necessarily, but like a sticky note, something that's not going to leave a residue, uh, something cheap. You can get those little small sticky notes and just put a sticky note over your camera. If that works. Uh, but if we're talking about gifts here. So if you're looking for gifts, you can buy these pretty cheap on the Amazon and other places as well. These little slide covers. And they stick on, they stick over the camera and it's got a little slide window. You uh, slide it open to allow people to see and slide it closed. People can't. Uh, it's really neat. And There's another one called Nope. Uh, N-O-P-E. It was actually a Kickstarter project from a while back. Those are interesting too. That's a little bit smaller, a little bit different design. The one problem with these with laptops uh, is that sometimes they they, they affect how it closes. Like it doesn't close quite all the way, uh, with one of these devices on it. So that could be annoying. Um, I know actually I got one from my daughter, uh, and when she put it on there and realized that it, that it wasn't going to close all the way, she's like, Nope, can't do it. <laughs> so I get that. But, uh, again, for a fun gift, um, you know, you might want to consider this as somebody who uses laptops a lot, or it could also be used on things like IMAX, uh, and other all in one computers that have the cameras built into the computer It works just fine for that. Cause there's nothing to close. Um, a nice little thing you can open and close for that to just give yourself a little bit more sense of privacy. All right. Next up on the list. Uh, one of the, uh, a really nice thing that I would recommend for anybody, if you want to help them protect their stuff, including yourself, uh, is a backup solution for your computer. Um, if something were ever to happen to your computer, fire flood loss of a laptop, uh, you've got at least some files surely, uh, on that computer that you would just not be able to replace, um, You know, applications and things like that. You can always rebuy that stuff, even music and things like that. Generally, you can just repurchase. But if you've got family photos or family videos or documents, you know, tax stuff, uh, medical stuff, whatever it is that you're saving on there that you just, you know, historical stuff that you could not replace. There's just no other way to get that stuff. Those are the things that you just absolutely have to find some way to make copies of secure backup copies and private backup copies. But um, you need to back that stuff up. So there's two options for gifts here that you might want to consider, and I would actually consider doing both because they both have pros and cons. Uh, whenever I talk about backup, I uh, talk about either cloud backup uh, and or backup to an external hard drive, uh, and they both um, uh, they both have uses. So the for a Mac in particular with Time Machine, which is a wonderful, wonderful built-in backup program for Macintoshes, uh, Windows have a backup program too. Uh, it doesn't work quite as well, but they both have it built into the Windows and uh, the Mac OS. Uh, if you hook up an external drive to these things, uh, and my book walks you through this, but it's pretty straightforward, uh, you can tell it to back up certain files or certain folders to those things on a periodic basis. And um, in worst case, if something you know, were to happen to physically do your computer, uh, you would at least have this external hard drive that's got copies of those files that you can then uh, put back on your new computer or whatever. Now, the one of the cons to that is that anything that can happen to your computer can also happen to the thing that's sitting right next to your computer, namely this external hard drive, including by the way, malware. So if you get ransomware or something that screws up the main drive on your computer, it can also screw up your your connected drives as well. So that's why uh, you might also wanna consider uh, a service like Backblaze. Uh, and that happens to be my favorite. There was one, what was it? Um, oh yeah, CrashPlan. CrashPlan was the one I used to really uh, love and use all the time. And they still have business versions, by the way. If you wanna pay a little more money, Uh, You can still use CrashPlan, Um, but for personal use, I recommend a company called Backblaze. There's another one called Carbonite you might look at, and there's actually several, several others. Um, uh, I happen to like Backblaze, and for a certain amount of money per month, and you can pay it on an annual basis, which usually gives you a discount, uh, they will back up all your files to the cloud, and if you do it properly, uh, it will be encrypted with a key that you pick, um, which I highly recommend as well. Um, so, pick a really good key. You know, maybe have LastPass generate that key for you and save it for you, uh, and give that key to Backblaze, and then they will, they will back up all your stuff to the cloud, fully encrypted. Backblaze will not know what any of that stuff is. They will not be able to give it away to anybody else because it's encrypted with your key. And then, if your house is destroyed or you get malware that that, that gets both your external drive and your internal drive, uh, you still have safe copies uh, stored up in the cloud that you can pull down anytime later. And those files will be preserved. This is a really, really big security item that I recommend for everybody. So if you haven't done this for yourself or for your, your friends and family, uh, this makes a really great gift. And a, a lot of peace of mind comes with this sort of a thing. All right. A couple more things on my list of the best and worst gifts to give for 2018. Uh, and the next up is a VPN service and the VPN stands for virtual private network. Uh, and because we have deregulated so much in the United States, uh, our internet service providers are free to basically look at everything we do on the internet. Now, luckily, also uh, much of what we do on the internet now is encrypted, uh, so they can't actually see the contents of most of our communications. However, they can still see uh, the metadata: you know, where we go, how long we were there, um, how, you know, when when we were, who we communicate with, potentially. Uh, email, even encrypted email, often has uh, metadata about that you can still see. So, you know, if you don't trust your ISP or if you're traveling or if you're using a public Wi Fi hotspot, uh, you're definitely going to want a VPN. And any VPN worth its salt is going to cost money. Do not go for the free VPN versions. Um, uh, I would recommend you look at ExpressVPN. Uh, that's a very popular, very security conscious, privacy conscious VPN. Um, very fast and, uh, reasonable cost. Uh, another one I would definitely have you check out is called proton VPN. That's associated with the proton mail service. That is a wonderful, uh, f- hyper privacy focused service out of, um, Switzerland, uh, Dr. Andy Yen, who's the CEO has been on this show a couple times before. Uh, I also highly recommend that. Uh, But if you use it a lot, um, speed may be an issue. And if speed is an issue for you at all, then ExpressVPN might be. uh, It's certainly one of the fastest services out there, and it's still very security and privacy conscious. And you could get these. uh, Once you get these services, they will work on both laptops, desktops, and smartphones. Um, So they could be used for all of them. Uh, I highly recommend this. This is a um, a really good thing for, especially for anybody who does any traveling. Uh, This makes a great gift. All right, two more things I want to wrap up with uh, on our best and worst gifts, and that is books, a good old-fashioned reading. Uh, there's so much we can learn about privacy and security, and there are some good books out there that, are, that work for people that are not technical that uh, I would highly recommend. Bruce Schneier is somebody I've been a fan of for a long time. He literally wrote the book on cryptography uh, back in the day and has since become much more of an advocate for security and privacy and written books for the layman. Uh, One of the books I would highly recommend is called Data and Goliath. Uh, It's about uh, all the data collection that's going on and how it's really, really a privacy nightmare. And he gets into all sorts of things that you probably don't, you wouldn't even think about that are much broader issues and talks about potential solutions as well. He's got a new book called Click Here to Kill Everybody. Uh, that I would also recommend you read. Uh, I'll be honest, I've, I've got it sitting on my, on my desk and I, it's, it's on my queue and I haven't got to it yet, but I know Bruce Schneier and I've read about this book. This is another, another great book from Bruce that I would recommend. Uh, if you prefer to get your security and privacy stuff through fiction, Check out a book called Little Brother by Cory Doctorow. You can actually get it for free from his website if you want. Uh, but if you want to support him, just go buy the hard copy of that off of uh, or the or the paperback off of Amazon or wherever you want to get it from. It's a great read, sci-fi future, sci-fi dystopian future. But it really brings home why things like encryption uh, are so important and and for democracy and for society. Um, I, I, would really recommend it. So it's a, again, it's a fun read. So if you, you know, if you want to kind of absorb some of these concepts in a fun way without having to, you know, read some technical book, even a technical book written for layman, uh, that's a great way to go. Now, if you happen to know somebody that's, uh, that might be interested in cryptography, just in general, uh, there's a great book called the code book by Simon Singh. Uh, it kind of goes through the history of codes over the years and, and how they developed. And, and of course, that's kind of always been this cat and mouse game between, the people who create the ciphers and the people that try to break those ciphers. Uh, I found it just a fascinating book. Um, so if you know anybody that are a little bit technically leaning or, or just kind of interested in that topic, that's a great book. And finally, of course, I can't, can't recommend books without recommending my own. Uh, and that is Firewalls Don't Stop Dragons. You can pick that off Amazon. You can get it from a press. You can get it from Barnes and Noble you can get it all over the place. Um, And I I think the best price currently that I've seen on that is at Amazon, uh, it's 400 pages long. This third edition is just huge. And it's, it's just chock full. I mean, it's basically everything I could think of thrown into one book, uh, with all sorts of step-by-step instructions with pictures and everything for both Mac and for windows for iOS and for Android. Uh, I've, it just keeps getting better and better every time I come up with a new release. So, uh, be sure to check that out as well. It makes a great gift. Uh, if, you know, someone getting a new computer for Christmas or a new smartphone, It's a great accompaniment for that. Um, there's just all sorts of great info. I, I, I know I'm tooting my own horn here, but I have not found another book that has what this book has, which is why I wrote it in the first place. So got to recommend that one. One last thing I will say, maybe on behalf of someone else, you might want to, if you want to further the cause of privacy and security. Uh, Maybe make a donation on someone's behalf. There's a lot of groups out there doing some really great work. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, of course, always comes to mind, EFF. Um, EPIC uh, is another one, EPIC. If you're a little more politically minded, you might want to look at groups like the ACLU uh, or ProPublica. They're doing some really great work there as well uh, for uh, investigative journalism. Uh, So, you know, if you want to go that route, or maybe, unfortunately, a lot of the really big. Uh, newspapers and news organizations like the Washington Post, um, you know, they got to stay in business somehow and they have to charge money. So, uh, you know, maybe get someone a subscription to one of those kind of things as well. Uh, that makes a great gift and it supports causes that are important and uh, investigative journalism and uh, these other groups that are uh, nonprofit groups that are out there protecting your privacy and, you know, suing companies in the government where necessary to protect you. They need money to operate, and so uh, you might want to consider giving uh, gifts uh, and the people's names on behalf of other people as well as gifts. That's another interesting idea that helps everybody. And there you have it. That is my list for 2018 of the best and worst privacy and security gifts for your friends and family and loved ones. Hope you enjoyed that. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, again, there's going to be a blog article associated with this as well that will have all the links to these products. Uh, along with further information, great way to share that information with others. Go to firewalls, You'll find the article there. It's probably the top article uh, or, or close. You'll see the best and worst gifts for 2018. You can also check out the show notes for this on americaoutloud.com. Remember that you can also sign up for my newsletter. Probably if you by the time you hear this, it may be too late to get the, the newsletter that contains the best and worst gifts. But again, you can always get that off the blog. And the nice thing about the newsletter is that you don't have to think about it. Every two weeks, I send you an actionable tip uh, that will make you safer or protect your privacy. Uh, you can get that for other people as well. It's totally free. And when you sign up for the first time, you'll also get my top five tips, a little pamphlet, uh, a little booklet that has some, some of my top five tips in it. Some of the ones we've covered today and some others. Uh, just for signing up. So uh, you can find that again at FirewallStonesUpDragons.com. That's a mouthful. That's everything. All right, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great uh, holiday season. Go out and buy some really fun, but secure and private gifts for your loved ones. Take care, everybody, and don't get caught with your garbage down.